The Unconditional Love Podcast is a project dedicated to bringing visibility to all queer folks through the coming out experience. By sharing in the coming out experience, we bring forward the self-realizing journey of one's gender and or sexual identity. Our intention is to validate the many forms of queerness, and more importantly, to connect numerous lives through talks and listenings that inspire new understandings of gender and sexuality. Unconditional Love affirms to contribute and continue in furthering conversations around race, gender, class, and sexuality by highlighting the lives of all queer folks. We hope meaningful talks emerge that reach beyond the podcast itself. My name is Alejandro Echeverria. And I'm Frankie Younger. And this is Unconditional Love. All right, so uh, welcome back to another episode of Unconditional Love. Um, who, who do we have today, Alejandro? So today we had um, Aaron Markle. Uh-huh. He's from, originally from Fontana. Okay. Kind of a celebrity, huh? Yeah, local celebrity. <laughs> right on, yeah. What, what, is he, uh, what, what's his, what does he do? So what we have so far is um, he's a an artist. Uh-huh. You know he's very he's very grounded in his um, queer identity, right. and so he expresses his his, um, his identity through his music, mm-hmm. and it's um, really how would you describe it like a new soul, yeah, soul style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's really different from a lot of folks. Yeah, it's pop music, but it's mm-hmm. definitely in the sort of new kind of neo soul kind of yeah genre, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I came across this um, this guest through Instagram. Okay. So he seems like he's really popular All right. um, within the queer community in, in the area. So it was a pretty good opportunity to have him in the studio. He's originally from Fontana, you said, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So it was kind of nice to get, get, a, get a perspective from somewhere else in the Inland Empire, Southern California, right? Yeah, yeah East which is, Right, which is what we tried to, tried to focus on in the... In the in the, uh, I guess, interview or, you know, whatever we're doing here. <laughs> the um, project. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, so what, what are some of the, the interesting things you think came up in the uh, in the narrative? His um, really, like, good memory of his, young, of his, like, childhood. Yeah. And how he was always, already, like, aware of um, his sexuality. Right. Even at a pretty young age. And then that exp- um, his coming out experience or, I don't know how to describe it, but we'll, but you'll see that. It's pretty vivid in, in how he describes it in the detail. Right. It's really it's really captivating. Yeah, I think uh, some some sort of common themes are you know keep coming up and in, including in this one too, right? The you know the folks coming out as bi at first, but not oh, you know not knowing what that means and all kinds of other stuff as a sort of a sort of a gateway. Right? <laughs> the safe zone. Yeah, the safe zone. Right. The transition point. I th- I thought the uh, I, I was really interested in 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 the sort of. I don't know that you know growing up in in the neighborhood that you're going to hear Aaron talk about or or you know the area and sort of it made me think a lot about the the you know the the creation of safe spaces mm-hmm. and how in a lot of ways they're sort of you know contrived or 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 privileged spaces for those who have the opportunity to to create some of those more institutional mm-hmm. safe spaces but even those spaces don't seem to to suit Right or, or or fit everybody, right? No, they do not. So. Yeah. So it's a good conversation that we had there. Yeah. All right. Well, should we get into it? We'll get into it. All right. Let's take a listen. All right. Welcome, folks, to um, another episode of Unconditional Love. So today in the studio, we have a special guest. Um, his name is Aaron. 
Thank you, everyone, for coming in today. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You sound a little bit sick, man. Are you you uh you got the uh, you got the flu or what is it? Yeah, the cold. The, the cold. cold. The co- all right. The com- <laughs> all right. That's not too bad. The common cold. We're not in too much danger then, right? No. In close quarters. <sighs> so uh, thanks for thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Yes. I'm so happy that you you decided to to join us today. Yeah. Sorry. I I know you messaged me and then it was like, I don't know. I kept like disappearing off the face of the earth. I mean, it was just a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I think it was like around, I was, I went to Mexico and then, um, then I had that queer archives, uh, one archives show, uh, for queer noise. And then, yeah, just getting like back in the, the rhythm of things. <laughs> oh yeah. Queer noise. Yeah. It was definitely a lot of fun. There was like some really cool, that well, one of the artists there, uh, Brooke Candy, She's kind of like, uh, I'm, I was like a big fan of hers when she released her, like, I think her music got into her like 2009, 2010. She had like Das Me, <laughs> literally spelled D-A-S-M-E. I don't know how well that would have worked for her now, but uh, she she's just a really cool artist. And so she was performing on that bill. And I like saw her ve- like very briefly that night too. It was really, but it was cool. So it seems like you've been like in the queer scene for a really long time. Um, yeah, I, I think like well, a, a part of it, of of course, like all mm-hmm. my life in and in, in many ways. Um, but uh, essentially, kind of, um, I guess actively performing as like myself in my own personal music. Um, just these past couple years, maybe just two years, three years. Mm-hmm. Before I was just kind of going under like another name, and it just kind of, it just wasn't really as authentic. Um, and it just is as, as, as it is now. What, what name was that? Um, I don't want to say, cause sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's just like a weird, it's just like a weird thing that I just like, I tried to like take off as much as I could. And it right. was just, it, it was just, uh, well, I, it's, it was like ammo it was a A M O. And it just uh-huh. kind of was, mm. I think it, it wasn't that it wasn't queer. It just didn't, it, there's a disconnect. So then after a while I was just like, I just need to go by my actual name, which is just Aaron. So that's why I kind of wanted to do that. So I made that shift. And I like took all those songs off and pretty much just kind of like, you know, try to move on from that. Because I think it's, it was a different like part of, I don't know, me and who I was. So, so maybe we kind of jumped ahead a little bit, right? With, yeah. With, with the introduction. We oh, kinda, yeah. <laughs> we kinda, so for people listening and some people might even recognize your voice, like who, who, uh, who, who are you? What do you do? What do you, yeah. Like so right now, what do you go by in those? So I'm um, again, Aaron Marco. Um, I, right now I'm performing essentially like pop R&B, you know, music. Um, I pretty much do a lot of the beats myself and I pull samples and then I'll um, get some of the kicks and whatever snares going around those, whatever the names are for those things and uh, put together the music and uh, try to really amplify and write uh, queer stories and um, just trying to, I guess, add to all the the noise out there, you know, Um, and also add to the fabric. So I was really curious. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your coming out experience? Yeah, of course. Um, so I guess my so my coming out experience was um, I, I, I came out like and I guess I'll kind of go back and forth like in, in time. But when I like I officially came out that I feel like was my maybe coming out moment was when I told my mom and I don't remember what year exactly. I feel like I was like turning 18 um, but I remember it was New Year's Day because I remember waking up that New Year's Day at my friend uh, Helena's sister-in-law's house and like me and my friends were all just kind of hanging out. We stayed the night there and I remember just thinking like, I'm going to tell my mom today. Like I just just had that feeling 
And some of my friends were like, are you sure? Are you like, are you sure you want to do this? This is really <laughs> random and probably a little dramatic too. <laughs> but, you know, that's like, you know, 18 year old me or 17 year old me. But I just like went home and I uh, told her and I remember just sitting. We lived in an uh, apartment off of Randall and I remember just telling her um, and I was sitting on my bed and she was sitting in the door, standing in the doorway. And I don't remember exactly. I told her I remember just feeling like a flurry of emotions. I was kind of like maybe like out of body a little bit. Um, it was just one of those so absolutely nerve wracking moments. Um, and I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think there was going to be a negative uh, reaction from her. I really don't know what I expected, but, um, the one thing that I remember she told me was just like, well, do you know, did you think that I was going to love you any less? And so that's something that always stuck out to me was that she, um, kind of was like a, a supporter right off the bat, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was essentially like my big coming out moment. And then like later on, I think a couple weeks later, I'm not sure how how much time after, but I do remember another memory of me just telling, like talking to my mom and then my mom kind of essentially bringing up like, you know, you essentially know that like this life that you're leading. Uh, and again, this, that's for the lack of the better words, um, probably on her part, because I remember it was something along those lines, like leading or choosing. But um, she said... Uh, she said, you know, the, the life that you're leading is is going to be a hard one and there's going to be a lot of people that don't necessarily agree um, or accept it. And so you just have to know that going into it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a little bit of like my coming out story experience with my mom. Um, but I essentially have been trying to come out all my life, you know, mm-hmm. and say it very early on. And by the way, feel free to interrupt me if you have more questions no, on certain... I'm, okay, I like cool. to listen. Okay, yeah. cool. I'll keep going. But... um. I like I feel like some of the first times that I maybe started to come out were maybe like around like fifth grade going into sixth grade. I remember that's early. Yeah. I mean, I've I've known all my life that I was that was gay, you know, queer Um, since I I mean, I feel like I've when I was like in third grade, you know, you had crushes on I feel like for guys that are straight, they had crushes on girls or girls had crushes on boys. But I just knew I had a crush on uh, boys uh innocent you know third grader second grader crush like oh you know i like them or something like that but um but i always knew that i had to pretend to like girls isn't that weird so i i I had those thoughts in my mind like i knew i felt that way about boys i knew that felt that initial attraction but um but i just always would my you know my brothers would ask oh do you have a girlfriend at school my immediate reaction was like yeah i do I didn't have a girlfriend at school, <laughs> and then I then that then that kind of started the whole playing on, um, you know, pretending that I like mm-hmm. girls, you know, uh, in like fifth grade and all that stuff, and yeah. No, I don't think that's weird what you said <laughs> because I had uh, very similar what you're describing. That's how I felt too. Yeah. At, at an early age. Yeah. Like around like nine years old, I would feel like the crushes um, towards my male friends. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that's weird at all. Yeah, I know. But, and it's, it's I don't know. It's hard. I, I when you, when you, when I hear that from other people, it's, it's a, such a weird thing because like, I don't know, like in, in third grade, you know, your first reaction to people is like, well, what do you know about liking somebody? You know, you're just like a kid and you really are, but you still feel that initial pull. There's something that's just kind of telling you, you know, I just, I don't know, like I'm just attracted to boys. I'm attracted to men. I'm attracted to that type of thing. But yeah, so I've kind of always known it, but I guess essentially like my I remember the first time that I probably 
like said it to somebody and again I, I maybe it could have been earlier than that or but um it was like around f- again fifth it was it, i want to say this all happened in the summer of like between fifth to sixth does it all does it all feel like telling the story now and looking back does it all feel like this sort of condensed kind of time or is it yeah. easy to separate the moments it does feel like an, a con- condensed time that's yeah. like a really great way to put it it feels like this blur of of discovering who I was, like also rejecting who I was at that time, and then essentially finding um, good friends that that I've, that I've had, that I've been friends with since sixth grade. So yeah. it's like a weird, it's like a fifth, fifth to sixth grade was like that time where I was really trying to like come out and come to terms with it and yeah. struggling with it. And then thankfully, uh, towards the end of sixth grade to seventh grade, I, I met some really, really good friends that I've stayed friends with even till this very day that um, essentially made that process easier and that have helped me come out my entire life up until even like a couple of years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it goes back to that, where I was telling you about music and and going at, under as ammo in the beginning, whereas I felt like at that point I was I was out, but I, there was still very much parts of me that were still rejecting um, the queerness in me, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a long, long process, and I don't think... I don't think I've really heard that as discussed as much as like how long the coming out experience really is. You know, it's mm-hmm. not really just like I'm queer, I'm gay or I'm like lesbian, I'm bisexual. None of that. It's not it's none of that. It's it's much more complex and it's over a lifetime, essentially. But yeah. So how, how so how did you experience that then in that fifth to sixth grade moment? I mean, what were some of the can you remember some of the actual ways that you started to? Yeah. To play around with that. I. um I rem- kind of remember again, and this is all, this is all in Fontana, but um, it was like I lived off <laughs> which date- we got to get to, right? Yeah, we really got to get to that part. Yeah, I, it was off Date Street Apartments, and um, it was like a. Um, I just remember it was like in the the apartment. It was like outside the door of where like our obviously to our apartment, and it was kind of like in the stairs. And I remember telling this this uh, girl that was like a friend that lived in the apartments. Uh, I think I forget her name, but. Um, I mean, she was like probably like a year younger than me. So again, we're just like talking about like fifth grade. She's probably in fifth grade. I'm going into sixth grade. But I remember just telling her like, I, you know, I think I'm gay. That's what I kind of said at that time. Um, And I like, I feel like I like this, this kid named Junior, which was, he was two years older than me. So I was like, he, what, I was like 11, he was 13, something around there. And, um... I said, but you can't tell anybody. And I don't know why I believed this is a bit creepier. I mean, again, I'm a little kid, though. Um, but she said she wasn't going to say anything. And then, of course, I think, like, I don't know if later that night. Uh, see, because what, what Junior and I would always do, we would just hang out and we would just play video games. That was, like, my mm-hmm. definition of, like, somebody, like, I just want to hang out with you. I want to spend time. I want to, like, just play video games. And that was my initial thing. But so I would always go over to, uh, to his house and we would play video games. And I remember uh, her coming in with his sisters and being like, um, uh, and the sister was kind of leading the conversation like, oh, Aaron, I heard you're gay. So-and-so told me and like just putting me on the spot. And then they said, you also liked him, uh, her brother. And so then I was like sitting next to, you know, junior and I'm like, uh, and then, yeah, it was just the most uncomfortable. It was really weird. It's yeah. It's embarrassing when you think about it, but like, yeah, and it was just like when I I don't have any like I'm not embarrassed when I think about it now. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those like well that's how that happened, <laughs> um, and it's just kind of 
I don't know. So I, and I remember because it was like dark in the room, the TV screen was coming from the light. So it's kind of, you know, like that type of ambiance and they're standing in the doorway <laughs> and like, I can see like the orange kitchen light from behind them. And it was just, it was just dark, you know, it was just barely like, it was like, not like the lights were bright and lights were on. It was just like, we were playing video games. They came in kind of like out of nowhere and we're like, we heard this. And then I remember like, Junior not really reacting, not really, like, saying anything. And then um, the sisters kind of, like, being the one that were, like, egging on, kind of, like, still trying to, like, continue the conversation. And then them prompting him to be like, well, like, Junior, what do you think? And then he was just like, well, I don't know. Like, I think you need to get, like, new feelings, Aaron. And so then that's kind of how that went. And I saw at that time, at that age, of course, that's, like, a heartbreak for me. But it was just more so, like, probably mortifying for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then that was really the mem- like the memory that I had of that. I don't remember how I left the room or how that ended, but I do remember um I don't remember really hanging out with them as much anymore. Like I don't remember how if I just stopped going out and going downstairs to play with them or something, but um but I do remember like Junior and I would still hang out like a, a couple weeks after. And again, this is probably like the, towards the end of the summer. So it was like a good summer of me getting to know these kids. I mm-hmm. essentially almost just moved in that apartment building. And then uh, having that experience happen, um, and then towards the end of summer, uh, I was still kind of hanging out with Junior even after you know I was outed by the yeah. sisters and that girl that I told. Um, and yeah, we like he still wanted to hang out. I obviously wanted to hang out, but I think I felt more uncomfortable. And then it just slowly phased out. The other thing too that just to add another layer of like the type of 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 background and what was just kind of going on is like. And it's really, it's it's hard to say. It's also very confusing. I don't know what sort of story or fabric it adds to just that whole experience. But, um, like, Junior was also very much doing, like, drugs he shouldn't be at 13, too. So really? it was just very weird. Yeah. Okay. It, was, it was very, very strange for me. I didn't partake in any of that. I've always just had, my dad did drugs. Uh, and so that's kind of essentially why my parents' marriage dissolved. Um, so I've always known like drugs, any kind are bad, you know, like just don't do them. And I've also kind of just seen my brothers essentially struggle with a little bit with it. So I was just kind of like, I'm not really into any of that. Um, but I was definitely in the room. And again, like, it's just weird to be like, uh, like a queer kid. Had I been in a different state of mind, maybe I would have even just been like, I like this kid and I want to do that too. I want to do what he's doing, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, it was just always like, him and his cousins you know like doing that and then again it wasn't just like it was just like heavy stuff that you would think like you know you watch you know these movies on like middle schoolers doing all this crazy stuff you know or anything like that and you're like no they pretty much were doing you know i don't know it's just a weird but anyway so that was also going on so in a sense maybe this that situation and the way that played out was for the better because you know who knows you know where Mm -hmm. my life would have been or that influence of me you know liking somebody and wanting to just you know uh, you know, follow them. them. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, I don't know, but I, that, that's the one memory that I do have of that overall experience is that like, it was just like, (laughs) it was a bad kid, but also like I liked him, but then also like it, like me liking him necessarily really didn't affect him because again, it's that weird age where like we were just kind of kids, you know, 13 is, is very much a child. Um, so it's just very, very strange when I think back to all of that. So that's kind of essentially like the first time that I was, trying to come out and trying to do that, uh, um, like get it off my chest and then into, and this, and this is where also it gets a little, like, it feels like a weird time because I can't, I can't tell if after that 
or um, a little bit before that, I was really trying to reject that in myself as far as being queer and like gay. I remember is, is that the word you used for back then? Like what? What? How? How would you define it? You think your yourself back then would have defined it? Like what words would you? Use? Gay. I would have. Yeah. yeah. That that at that age, I say gay. Now I prefer to say queer. Because I think it's just so much more than that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think gay is just a very, very, like, I don't know. It just seems like a weird, I just don't feel as comfortable with that. Queer <laughs> yeah. just feels yeah. better yeah. now. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, so really trying, at that time, trying to, like, come to terms with being gay, I remember, like, getting really super, like, religious and feeling like I could, like, pray away the gay. Yeah. It was just really weird. I don't know why, like, where that came from. Um, but I remember like I was trying to read the Bible. I remember my, like I would go, if I would go visit my aunts, um, they were, they're super Christian and they're super religious. I remember like feeling like I needed to be involved more in the church side from them. My mom wasn't somebody that went to church every Sunday, but she believed in God, you know, and she still does. Um, but at that age, I kind of felt like that was the solve, you know? And so I felt like I would always try to make like every day praying like and trying to make deals with god like if i'm you know if i don't think of boys and you know at all for 30 days you know or 40 days like blah 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 mm-hmm. jesus in the wild or something like that um <laughs> you'll make me like not gay and that was like the one thing like i was always trying to barter mm-hmm. and like say like take this away from me i don't want to be gay i don't i it just i don't want it Sounds and, like a test too, though, right? Yeah, for like a self kind of test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like if I could, if I could withdraw <laughs> yeah. from thinking about boys in this way, yeah. like it's gonna go away eventually. Right, and right. Then of course, it never did. But I remember also struggling with that, um, where I was feeling like I could, you know, pray away the gay, you know, in myself. Mm-hmm. And again, this is without people telling me, without any adult guidance. This is just me, my thirteen year or my eleven year old self, twelve year old self, trying to really grasp it. And also, I mean, I'm essentially building this foundation based off of the world around me, you know, like maybe comments that my brothers have made, maybe comments that uh, my family's made, maybe that stuff that I've seen on TV. But like there's there was no adult telling me, you know, you need to pray about pray on this, you know. Yeah. Um, but those were the possibilities sort of available to you at the time. Yeah. yeah. Which is just weird. Like I don't like <laughs> now. Yeah. Because yeah. now I would never think of that, you know, but again, yeah. it's I, that's the, you know, 11 year old me uh, till now. So. Yeah, that that's kind of just that's something that I I remember that like there there was like an initial rejection, um, and then again like later on I think I remember I, I told some like I told some other kid that like that I like thought I was gay and I thought I liked him and then I remember like that just didn't go over well and like we then just stopped hanging out so I was essentially always just trying to tell somebody you know uh-huh. right, just to right. get it off my chest I was always choosing the wrong people. Um, you know, thinking that, you know, you just confide in the people that you like or people that are around them. But um, offer some support or some help. With yeah. That. And I think it was it was really I was thinking I was just probably looking for somebody to just probably be like, it's OK. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's always the end result that I wanted. So yeah. that's what you were looking for. But yeah. When did you find that type of support then? So um, I again, so I, I, towards the end of sixth grade, I like eventually moved into this like uh, this uh, other like kind of class where I was wanting to take drama and I wanted to take cl- like acting classes. And so like I, I wasn't on that right track to take all those classes. Yeah. So I would go and I would bug a, this teacher, the sixth grade teacher all the time at Truman Middle School. And I would like tell them like, I want to be in drama. I want to be in drama. And so finally they moved me into that that track in that class. Uh-huh. Um and so then I met some of my good friends like Pablo and and like Jesus and and people that are pretty much still in my lives right now, 
Uh, but essentially that was like my group of friends that like I hung on to and that we essentially were friends all through sixth grade up until we went to Fontana high school and then we all graduated together. Um, so it was that, that support group, that group of people, um, that really helped that alleviate that experience. And like, I feel like freshman year of my high school, I tried to like come out, you know, like I was kind of like, I came out as bi and again, like, it's so yeah. terrible. I really hate that I did that. <laughs> at, yeah. Bi, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I hate that because common though. yeah, it, it's like the same. It's a, it was, I don't know, again, don't, who knows why that was like the safe ground, but I hate that I did that now because I, I think it just gives bisexual people such a bad rap. And, and now that's, you know, just initial reaction towards bisexual people is like, Oh, that's not, you know, you just haven't chosen. It's like, mm-hmm. no, there are people that, you know, do identify as, do, yeah, so. genuinely. I, Cause I do think of sexuality as a spectrum, you know, Everything mm-hmm. is kind of just, you know, it depends on where you fall. But um, so I, I hate that. But, yeah, I came out as like bisexual. Uh, and then I don't really remember. And again, this is where it all kind of gets a little bit hazy. But I remember like coming out and essentially like kind of having like like two week boyfriends, you know, of other people that were like gay, the, you know, gay in the in the school. Really? In middle school, you had um no, 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 in, in high school. school. Oh, in high Fresh, school. Yeah, freshman yes, in high school. Yeah, school. that's kind of essentially when that kind of... But again, like, this isn't real. This is, like, two weeks. Like, that's yeah. not a real relationship. We maybe, like, met for class once and, like, kissed once, and that okay. was pretty about it. <laughs> so, the, so that did happen then. So you were already, like, like I wouldn't say experimenting, but you were, like, trying things out then. Yeah, in yeah. freshman year, like, I was definitely, like, expressing myself. And then sophomore year, I was... Like, then it goes back into another rejection phase where, like, then I, I'm, like, I'm, I'm not... Like, I kind of did, I don't, maybe I didn't like the the comments or the, the way that people were treating me freshman year. Again, it's like so hard to remember, but I remember like having this regression in um, my sophomore year where I just felt like I needed to be like more masculine. And so then I started to try to do like greaser looks, like my like cousins and brothers do, like, you know, like yeah. rockabilly, psychobilly type looks. And so then I remember going back into that. Um, and that's kind of when I started drinking. And so then I just kind of was really like not happy and a little unstable. And then as we move away from that junior year, it kind of went back to like, okay, I'm trying to come out again. And then by senior year, it was like, I'm fully, fully comfortable and I'm getting more comfortable with being who I am. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, it's been a long, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a long, long process. Sorry, that was also like a really long answer. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the answer. That was, yeah. that was probably one of the, the, the best way to go about yeah. it. Can, can I, I wonder, um, so do you, you, you talk about making this transition from gay to bi Mm-hmm. And then and then back, right? I, I wonder, what did those, like to your eleven year old self, right? What did gay mean? And was it, a, was there a shared meaning between you and what you thought it meant, meant, and the girls and the people around you? You know that 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 experience that you mentioned, where you're sitting on the couch, mm-hmm. did, was there a shared meaning with with the the with what it meant to be gay there? You know, um. I mean, at that age, I don't, I don't know if I had like really that like a uh, full full grasp of what it meant, you know. Yeah. Um, I think definitely at that age, I was coming at it from like a negative connotation, you know, yeah. where it was just like the secret that I was just dying to tell people. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember. And again, like again, if this goes back to like then, like then, I think a little bit after that, I was trying to like pray away to get, you know, I always right, just right. felt guilty about it. Right. I and mean, even though. The other, there was a deep internal part of me that just wanted it to be accepted, you know, and just wanted just to be 
just to live a normal life and just try to get get it off your chest because you know i'm a very i'm a person that likes to share mm-hmm. you know i like to talk i like to just share experiences i want other people to feel comfortable around me i i want nothing but that for them um and so i think that's what essentially what i just wanted at that time is like and i think uh like as far as what gay meant to me i just think it meant at that time just i liked men you know that's kind of what what it was and and again like i definitely am was not bisexual in uh freshman year of high school uh i i definitely really am attracted to men um that's just kind of like again where where i go uh on the spectrum uh but again it was just it was a way to soften the blow and make myself more acceptable for people you know more presentable more um that's essentially what I've always like what I was trying to do during that coming out experience is way to make it easier for the other person versus myself. Um, and I guess saying that that way, like that's um, essentially why I mean when I when I said earlier, like it's such a longer experience, because even after like by 18, when I finally started to own that and yeah. I told my mom and I was really like, I am gay, I don't really care. And who knows in my family, there was still another side uh, and this is something that I've seen being talked about more recently, where it's the rejection of the feminine nature that exists within me. Um, and again, I also hate to say feminine because I hate to use those like definitions and all that stuff. But it's the only way that I know how to describe it right now. Uh, but uh, there was still that 18, like that 18 to college period and, and, and uh, like where I was just kind of... Uh, I was scared to be feminine, you know? I always just kind of wanted to be masculine, homosexual, you know, Mm -hmm. a masculine gay person. And that's something that I've, again, recently been stripping past uh, these past five years. Again, three years, I've felt like I've really been owning it. But even till this day, like, I feel like I'm still constantly stripping over the negative aspects and projections that um, toxic masculinity has, like, influenced and added to my life. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so you're ju- you're practicing then the the queerness right that you described yeah you said in um as a freshman you didn't practice bisexuality no like, no 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 it was just uh, yeah. i've always been like I, i've always uh, my only experiences were ever been with uh uh with men i've kissed a girl one time yeah and i was really really drunk and it was like in high school <laughs> and she, she was very very drunk and and again no problems for her i will not say her name yeah. but i remember just not enjoying the experience at all so so then when when you're saying in 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 as a freshman and you had those you know two-week kind of relationships yeah. So you said weren't real relationships. Yeah. When in those instances when you actually kissed somebody, uh-huh. did that sort of was that the definition then of of gay at that moment in time? Did that change your eleven year old sense of what it was and make it something else when you when you kissed a boy or was there? Um, I think yeah, it, it essentially brought me closer to what I like think of as the like the term of, of being gay. I just remember feeling like the flurry of emotions, you know, yeah. and feeling like this is this is right. This is this is what you know. This is what I'm attracted to. This is uh, this is essentially somebody that I would choose to be my partner. You know, would be another uh, man. Okay, so so the kissing itself though wasn't enough. It wasn't that wasn't it. No, 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 right. no. It, it's and again, like it's so strange because like we're talking like when you talk about I feel like queer identity, it's often always like you know it, there's a, a sexual nature mm-hmm. tied to it because essentially that's yeah. kind of like the the uh, not the driving force, but that's just a big part of yeah. it. But um, I do know at that time, like when I would think of of who I would want to spend my time with, who I want to spend my life with, it was always just with uh, with a man, you know. Right. Um, 
And so it was in more ways in, in sexual. And the other thing, too, is that I think... And then again, this goes just goes into like the music that I write or even like just the relationships that I had after after 18 and after high school is that uh, then eventually the the journey then became, well, now I know that I like men and I want like now I want to find a partner Mm -hmm. that accepts me and I want to find somebody that um, that loves me and accepts all of me. So it's just a lot of different layers. But yeah, see, I think I think that's an important point that you make because Alejandro and I have been talking about this quite a bit but you know you and and i think we'll get to it in in soon enough but talking about you know coming out in fontana right as as you had as you sort of mentioned and and what that means and coming out in different spaces but also i think is learning about sexuality in different spaces and the Mm -hmm. toxic masculinity that you talk about right yeah and and i remember growing up in the spaces that i grew up in where what you talked about, about the sort of romantic part of it and being having a partner and sharing, right? That wasn't the sense of queerness that, that me or my friends or other folks were introduced to, right? And that's why queerness was so mm-hmm. threatening because queerness was that sexuality that somehow threatened that toxic masculinity that you're talking about, right? And a lot yeah. of folks, I think, that we've been talking about haven't grown up in that, or talking with, I'm sorry, in that context, you know, haven't grown up in that context. They've grown up in this place where their queerness was more sort of artistic mm-hmm. or their queerness was a, a threat in other kinds of, of ways, right? But there's something about growing up in a particular, you know, coming from a particular class background, a particular racial or ethnic background, where I could imagine that scene that you painted for us on the couch, right? And you talked about the the dim lights and the orange light behind those girls that were in the kitchen, for some people that could have been a real dangerous, dangerous, dangerous space. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. So yes. Um, that's interesting that you mentioned that for, for some, it, it was kind of more of an artistic expression. It was yeah. just kind of like who I am. And it, it was like a, an edge almost. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And I guess, you know, when, it's just it's yeah when you when you think about that stuff that really could have been like a bad a bad scenario yeah. for me you know With drugs and all the stuff that you mentioned right? yeah that, that I mean, could have been a disaster yeah you know? yeah exactly and again like it's just, it's so weird it's hard not to like it's hard to especially when you're just talking about that experience like it's hard to separate that and I, honestly that story like as far as like the 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 reality of that nature is only something that I've just now started to come to terms oh, with you know okay. like it was hard. I never really thought about it much, mm-hmm. like in college, you know. But it wasn't until these years where now that I can look back at my life and I'm like, oh god, like what was I, like yeah. what type of what, <laughs> what apartment complex were we living in? You know, that you had like 13 year old kids that were like doing so, such yeah, heavy absolutely. drugs, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was also surrounded by that. And like my, it's not that my mom was a bad mom. She would just be like, yeah, go stay the night at this person's place, you know. And you know, you're just a couple apartments down, you know. Um, but yeah, and I don't, I don't think I, I never really shared that experience with my mom. And then what's funny is that like that family was like a friend of like, uh, uh, my mom just used to work with their mom essentially. So that's kind of where that relationship and how that bridge kind of met is like, oh, you know, you're, we just moved here. You can hang out with these kids, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, like I going back to like it being the edge and like, um, I, I do think that for, for like brown and black, uh, queer people, um, it isn't necessary. There, there isn't really a, uh, and again, sorry if I, I misunderstand, but I, I think when, when queer and, and, uh, black and brown people come out, 
I don't think it's ever out of uh, like an expression or like a tool or an edge, you know? It's usually like, this is who I am yeah. and I'm coming out in a very like unwelcoming environment sometimes, oh, you know, yeah. or hostile environment, especially yeah. more so I feel like with, uh, with just uh, with family backgrounds that are so heavily religious too. It's like, it's, it can be a little volatile, you know? Right. And the other thing too that I really... Like I haven't gotten into and and stuff that I'll I I'm really like starting to write about and express now and stories that I do want to tell is that um, I do have a, a cousin that is lesbian and when she obviously when she was coming out I was maybe ten nine so it was a couple years before before obviously when I started to come to terms with it but um, she was really uh, into a lot of drugs and that blurred the lines for my family. As far as her coming out experience, so you know? you're saying it was maybe they thought it was more about sort of the drugs and putting her in a space where she mm -hmm. wasn't herself. Kind exactly. Of right. um, and the, the the sadder part that that hurts me about my my cousin's experience is like, is is I I think she was. It's just and it's interesting because it's a completely different experience and I can't tell, take that story away from her. But like from being just a person that's a spectator. Um, it was like almost as if she was she was trying to emulate and this is where I, I I've started to discover now, like at least in my life, toxic masculinity has its hands in so much uh, of queer queer lives and yeah. just in and in society in general. But um uh, my cousin was lesbian and she wanted to be like the boys, you know? She mm -hmm. wanted to be like my like my cousins, my my guy cousins, my older brothers and all that stuff. My older brothers and my cousins were all like doing really crazy shit at, at high school stuff they shouldn't yeah. be you know they were like part of like gangs they were part of they were always trying to fight people they were trying to, they were just doing the wrong mm -hmm. stuff all the time so that was her idea of what it means to be more masculine and more and so she, that so i think that's essentially what possibly pushed her or influenced her to start then using drugs uh -huh. and then when she was really trying to come to terms with who she was as a person then it was hard for my family to justify and the lines got so blurred for everybody right. because it was kind of just like a, I think you're just confused because you're doing all these drugs, you right. know? So when we clean you up and get mm -hmm. you yeah. thinking right. When we all know, like, this was, like, she was just somebody that was probably struggling with her sexuality and, and, who, and who knows why she got the drugs. I don't think she did the drugs because of her sexuality, but I think it's, it's like so many layers, you know? I right. think it's what the guys were doing and, and what she wanted to do. So it's just, but yeah, so yeah. it goes back to what you said, like, uh, brown and black voices like they're coming out stories especially in environments like that it's really just almost not, I kind of like a means of survival you know it's like mm -hmm. this is who I am I, I don't want to lead my life so it's so much more than just like expression and it's definitely braver you know yeah. um, but there are you know there are and again my situation could have been far worse there yeah. are you know my thankfully and, and I, my mom was supportive um, had she not been supportive I, that would have been heartbreaking for me but um but again, like it, it, that environment still affected me in a lot of ways. It makes me think about sort of the, uh, the sort of realizing that safe spaces in the way that we talk about them in these kind of, you know, safe environments, right? Mm -hmm. You know, folks are looking for safe spaces or one thing, right? But it doesn't get to the level of, I don't know if it's danger or potential violence or... Mm -hmm you know, that exist that in, in spaces that, that people sort of oftentimes are, are you know, they, they spend their whole lives in these 
kinds of spaces and talking about a safe space, right? Mm-hmm. doesn't seem to make sense in that context where people grow up in, in these vi- environments that you're talking yeah. about, right? Where there are no, you know, nice safe spaces, right? <laughs> Even some yeah. of the safe spaces are, are tainted by the toxic masculinity and all yeah. that kind of stuff, you know? It's, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, Safe spaces really are truly hard to come by. Yeah, they, they are. They, they <laughs> Genuine are, right? ones. Yeah. You know what? But and I think it's, um, but I think there's different versions of different safe spaces that work for you know different types of people. You know, right. um, I. But I think. But then the other thing too that I think about when it comes to, like, safe, safe spaces at home definitely are. Right. It's really it's a hard thing. I feel like the queer safe spaces definitely have to be an outside unit. You know, um, I don't know. I've not. I've. Um, sorry, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, but, uh, I think just with, in general, with like safe space, I think it's just as long as people come, you know, welcome and, and ready and just open and, and I don't know, it's, it's really hard. And I wonder, I wonder, and, I, and maybe I'm getting off track here, but yeah. I wonder, no, it's, I, <laughs> I, I wonder if some of these, those safe spaces that we're talking about, sort sort of being for me, right. A lot of my experiences here at the university, at least mm-hmm. with, with, you know, certain things and, the safe spaces that they talk about are privileged spaces mm-hmm. that work for some. And mm-hmm. and doing this this podcast, I think I've seen that some of our, our the folks that we talk to, some of our guests, right, have been privileged enough, even at the very beginning, right, to have some of these safe spaces cultivated for them. Yeah. Right. And then that becomes sort of the norm mm-hmm. and the 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 foundation by which the university tries to create safe spaces. Or, oh, I see what you mean. You see, you see what I mean? But, yeah. But the spaces you're talking about, those weren't created for you <laughs> around your coming out. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, and you know, that's... So then that, that also that also goes to, like, another thing that I think is... Uh, I, I, it's, it's being said a lot more, especially uh, from black and, and brown voices, is that spaces, like what you mentioned, like, and again, I, maybe I'm taking it out of context, but I'm taking it a little bit further, is like... The like spaces like WeHo, like where mm. that's where I would yeah. go to thinking that I was going to feel open, you know, yeah. and when I hit 21, I was thinking like, this is going to be my space. Uh-huh. But then to get there and then realize like, oh, these are heavily white queer spaces yeah. and I'm either like, I'm, I'm not wanted here, okay. <laughs> you know, and I always felt ugly in, 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 uh, in, in West Hollywood and even areas like out here, like in 340 and like yeah. a, a, before there was Oasis and Oasis Upland. In yeah. Upland before it closed down. <laughs> yeah, before it closed down. There was all those spaces that were like, even though they were um, gay, and actually, you know what? They're more gay spaces than they were queer because, uh, you know, you'd, you would see, you know, obviously lesbian people or bisexual, mm-hmm. other forms of, of queer, but it was just primarily just gay, uh, gay people. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it wasn't really for everybody. It was just heavily male mm-hmm. or um, it was just heavily white. Uh, and th- I think that's kind of the more exciting thing about being queer, at least in L.A. today, is that uh, there are so many people out there in the community that are doing the really great work of really, really, really trying to create these these safe spaces that are for everybody mm-hmm. and that are a little bit even uh, that are 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 not uh, so male heavy as well. Yeah. Um, like some of the, one of the queer nights like Basura, uh, mm-hmm. downtown LA, like that's an amazing, sp- uh, space, uh, run by Adam, uh, who is a fantastic mm-hmm. human being. 
And that space, when you go in there, you're like, oh, my God, I feel so comfortable. Mm-hmm. There's even other spaces that uh, like, like club. Scum. Yeah, like Club Scum. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and Bell. That place, that place is it's like other world where you just and it's just nobody cares mm-hmm. about what other people look like. Nobody cares why they're there. Everybody just wants to have a really, really good time. Um, and that's just that's super, super unique. And, and perhaps those existed. Uh, when I was like 21, but I couldn't find them. Yeah. I my only means and guide was again, like those, those privileged spaces, which yeah. was like West Hollywood where I just mm-hmm. walked away hating myself. Right. <laughs> it was not good. So you talked about, you would go to queer spaces in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you talked about a few of them here in, um, in mm-hmm. the IE with yeah. 40, right? Mm-hmm. Can you disc- like, have you found other spaces out here in um in the IE? That you- the IE, no, I've not, but I've also not lived here for uh, like okay. for a while. Um, but as far as I know, the other, th- you know what? And I, I guess alternative spaces again. This is when I was growing up, like in the, in like my early twenties around that time. Um, but uh, they would always have like what they was it called like tea parties, you know, where it was oh. just like backyard yeah gay parties, you know, um. And that I feel like it was just it was a little bit more mixed. But then, then again, the other thing is, is that from what I remember, those parties and also with 340, it's like um, I understand that I probably fit in at 340. But like it wasn't it doesn't mean that it's not diverse, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not for all people. I mean, like you don't really see a lot of black queer people in in those spaces, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just also another aspect to it. But I think the only other forms of parties that I remember in the IE were tea parties and again that was just heavily male and heavily brown and not necessarily a lot of black queer people and then how did you when you first i wanted to know how did it feel like when you first entered west hollywood um i i mean i remember one time like walking i was feeling excited you know and it was like Mm -hmm. a little nervous you know like butterflies but then slowly that would fade and i just don't remember walking walking away from it having a good time you know okay i remember always just it was so much anxiety trying to get there and look a certain way. And then at the end of the night, I just kind of like I had fun and I remember I was drunk, but I don't remember feeling amazing mm. after, you know, I remember just feeling a little drained. Right. And it, again, like now, like I can I, going to West Hollywood now, it's 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 different. Um, like I can go there and, and I can give two you know, shits about mm-hmm. what anybody says or what things about me or how I look or anything like that. But um that's because now I'm just in a different state of mind than I was at 21. So like at 20 and, and 21, you're you're wanting people to, you know, you want to go out. You want to meet other people. You want to do all this stuff. You want to look flashy. You want to be accepted. Um, and so it just wasn't the right space for me. Now I'm just like, I don't really care if anybody looks at me. Like now it's just a common meeting space. But um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's also my favorite as well. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. What do you, what do you, what do you think about sort of the idea of queer spaces one of the things that we've been talking about is that for and and again back to the sort of coming out in fontana and 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 your apartment complex and and i like that because i i I don't think you know there's certain spaces that have informed my life right that that are like those apartment complexes you're talking about but the older i get and the more involved i get with you know academics and and certain things, right, which are supposed to be about ways to study these kinds of things, the further away from those spaces that I get. Right? Mm. But, I, but I wonder if there's ways to think about those spaces as queer spaces mm. too, right? Yeah. Like even though the apartment complex wasn't necessarily the safest space and could have been a dangerous space, 
are there ways that that space could also for you or must have been for you a queer space as well? That I feel like it goes into a lot of community work. And I, you know, I don't necessarily, I haven't heard of anything like that, like happening in the IE, but I do know that that happens actively with like in the Los Angeles area. I can't remember. I think it's a Viennese star out in LA. I I just sang at one of their events and it was a heavy community program that Uh was just obviously the people in the area that were that aren't necessarily all queer. I think a lot of them were just straight. They were just looking to have a good time and they <laughs> just came to the show and they were just going to be entertained. And they had, you know, they mm-hmm. had drag queens. They obviously had queer performers. They had queer poets. Right. And so I think stuff like that in the community does d- does create uh, a safe space and essentially creates like could potentially create that apartment complex being a safe space. You know what right. I mean? Okay. Where potentially there would be an, another a middle school kid that just goes there and is like, oh, hey, I can be who I want to be here, right. you know? That that would be the way that I would see that working, and and again, I don't know necessarily if it if it happens out in the Inland Empire. Also, like, and I don't know if, if it's how true it is, but I do think of the Inland Empire just being a lot more conservative than it is in Los Angeles, which oh, is weird because they're only an hour away. But I just do get that sense every time I like come, you know, come down over here. But I don't know, maybe it's changing. There's some real boundaries I think between Los mm-hmm. Angeles and the Inland Empire, even though folks don't want to really sort of see it that way mm-hmm. there, right? There they are mm-hmm. sort of distinct spaces, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I I I so another memory that I, I do have because I went to Cal State San Bernardino and I remember um prop eight was like big and it was when uh, you know like all that campaigning was going around to get the to I mean essentially same sex marriage. Yeah, to, to not pass the same sex marriage and it was always yes on eight, yes on eight. I remember going up to Cal State San Bernardino and driving up and there being just like a bunch of signs everywhere of just like yes on eight, yes mm-hmm. on eight. And I think for like a queer person, for me going to the school, it's like clearly this like I'm not not like who I am is not welcome here. You know, it's who I am. I shouldn't be proud of who I am because there's people that don't believe that I should, you know, right. have the right to marry. So, yeah, I yeah, I do agree. Like there are certain spaces in like the Inland Empire that are just like really heavily conservative and, and you know. I mean, it, it just goes back to just the time that we're we're living in right now. I mean, it's very clear that there are things there's there is such internal and structured racism and and homophobia and and other types of phobias that are just ingrained in our society that we're not really willing to, uh, to let go. Right. As you know, as the U.S., mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of and unfor- and it, it sucks because I do see black and brown people doing a lot of the heavy lifting on that. Um, and I would even say, I would even be bold to say that black uh, people are, are doing that far more because there are brown people that are, of course, racist and, and all of that stuff. Um, but it should also be the more privileged that are also doing the heavy lifting as well to yeah. try to connect mm-hmm. with other people. Use their position to get... Yeah, use their position. Because unfortunately, a, a brown and black mm-hmm. person can't, you know convince a white person to to not be racist or you know a queer person can't convince a homophobic person to not be homophobic you know it's it's like it's like how do you win that argument you know like if i were to go up to somebody that's homophobic and i was really trying to like meet them in the middle ground it's i would have to take so many more steps than it would for another straight person to come up to them and be like hey let me explain to you why this isn't cool you know Mm -hmm. but it's just kind of the society we're living in today right i don't know yeah yeah but I get a feeling that the time we're living in now, like, per- mm-hmm. like, I feel like queerness is becoming like more, more acceptable. It's more visible for sure. Yeah. 
But at the same time, I'm wondering, like, is the racism still... So that, then that's what that's what goes to like the other point. It's just like I do see a lot more like queerer, whiter artists, you know, mm-hmm. but there's really not. Uh, and there of course, there are queer black and brown voices that are out there, but they aren't necessarily at the level. I feel like that these white artists are, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, like Sam Smith, yeah. you know, it's like we always <laughs> known that Sam Smith was like gay or, or queer. Yeah. And it's really much easier for him uh actually i don't even know how they identify but it's really more easier for them to put on a pair of heels now that they have all of this fame and i get cheered on whereas like if a queer brown or black person living in today's society that's not necessarily millions of followers millions of dollars you know um to go into work uh, Mm -hmm. that necessarily wouldn't float uh you know and then it goes back to i don't know it so i i think it we're we're getting there but we're not all the way there and also i mean you like look at the things that are happening today and in, in in society now and and i mean i feel like black trans lives are are not as safe as they should be mm-hmm. well like uh i noticed like a bunch of tv shows they would show like the the white lesbian that just came out like in stranger <laughs> things like yeah. season three yeah i was like where did this come from like, <laughs> like i feel like a lot of a lot of media is taking up all this queerness it's yeah. so hot right now yeah but yet they don't want to like, m- like me- make it messy. Yeah, I feel like us doing this podcast is a way to like make it more messy. Yeah, I show. I totally get what you mm-hmm. mean. I mean, and you're right. Like there are there, are, it's it's so hard. <laughs> I think especially with like mainstream productions, you know, it's like you because you want you want obviously the authenticity, you know, for queer people. It's not always easy just to come out, you know, like how some type TV shows make it where it's like, oh my god, you know, they they struggle with it. Um, I do think there like should be more and obviously there is a lot more, but, um, I think of like, like mainstream, uh, like the most mainstream film that I feel like that got such a a unique form of queerness was like Moonlight with that Mm. film being, you know what I mean? Where it's just such a unique expression to what queer identity is and how powerful that film was. And uh, for me, just seeing it, I was just like, it's just, it was so incredibly moving. But you're right, like, there's not enough of that. But then also the other side is that it's like there's other people that are a part of the community that are like, well, that's not necessarily how my experience was yeah. as well. So it's just kind of like balancing it all. But I do feel like it is in the right direction. My only fear is like, I hope it just doesn't fade, you know, like in two mm-hmm. years from now, it's just like that kind of goes out. But I'll, I'll go ahead. I was going to say, your story actually does show, like, there's more out there yeah. about queerness than yeah. just the sexuality. You're yeah. telling us all about the the feelings and the, <laughs> the young anxiety and all that, yeah. the fear. It really, I mean, again, if I'd look back to, like, coming out, it really was just me wanting somebody to tell me it was fine, you know? Just probably just all I needed. It so, doesn't seem much to ask for, you know what I mean? But, it doesn't. But getting that is the hard part. Yeah. Right? yeah. And and the other thing is, is that unfortunately, when if that's really all that queer people want is somebody to be like, this is OK and I'm on your side and I'm going to defend you. Um, mm-hmm. It like the fault doesn't really fall on the queer person, you know, communicating their truth. It really falls on the other person and how they like receive that information, what they do with it, you know, which then goes back to privilege, you know. It's like how you use your privilege to help somebody that's obviously just wanting to be just like, you know, to be at the same level as you, same level of equality. Uh, So that that all sort of being said, then, how how do you would you say or how would you say um, your coming out experience then has led to 
you being able to express you you mentioned wanting to tell particular stories through through the music and and, yeah. and stuff that you do how 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 has that experience then of yours sort of led you to be the artistic personality that you you think you are now um so i think like i think it's almost like uh and again like the i think the the music thing the the music it helps me heal a little bit more um and i i while i i want to add to the to the fabric it's really just me trying to like i guess essentially come to terms with that story i don't know so i guess how i'm trying to think i think that like that looking back at that those stories now and then like telling it through music it's helping me understand that how far I still am, have to go, you know, how long the process has really taken, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I may have misunderstood your question. I just, I just wonder if, if yeah. all of that, that you, that we talked about for the last, you mm-hmm. know, believe it or not, 50 minutes, <laughs> right. Has, has somehow put you like, is there an other side, right? So you, you, you travel, you, you, you take, take that journey. Mm-hmm. And now has that been responsible for shaping who you are. Are you still in conversation with that through your music or? Yes, yes, yes. I understand now. Um, yeah, I mean that, that is that. So yes, the music I think is like almost like a guiding point and, and in my efforts to be more honest and to share more queer stories, I am now uncovering things that I hadn't really thought about a lot. Like my, my cousin, for example, like I, I'm working on the music and, and we're song that just kind of just involves her a little bit more. Um, and it's forcing me to reflect and realize how m- much more different both of our experiences were uh, when we came from essentially the same family. Right. Um, within just a couple of years, I mean, she's only like a couple of years older than me. Um, so I think the music really does help really shape and guide that for me. And I'm really hoping that essentially just by just putting it, I mean, I the music I write is really just because it's almost like as a necessity in the same way or like, queerness is you know it's yeah. just something that I, I have to do in the way that I have to express myself and, mm-hmm. and that creativity creativity that comes out um, and in the process it's also helping me heal and so in turn I also help that if there's somebody that's listening to it it helps them heal and helps them uncover a little bit more of their story as well right. yeah so um, I found out your music through through Instagram mm-hmm. and I heard your song um, maybe this is love yeah so I really like that song I really like the beat yeah, but I also like the story, yeah, story, um, that you you depict in the in the lyrics. I yeah. want to know what inspired that, that <laughs> that that story. I mean, that is uh, just based off of like a a, a grinder hookup. Okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I guess that also goes back to like uh, like kind of helping the, the music essentially helping guide me and understand who I am, but then also really just trying to tell a different part of the queer, you mm-hmm. know, stories is um, maybe this is love is essentially like through, I, I don't know, growing up in the IE and using Grinder and being active on that platform. Um, not going to lie. You find yourself in contact with a lot of married men, mm-hmm. like men that are not out or men that are pretending to be straight that are just, uh, that that platform is a way that they can just do a quick little hookup and, and that's pretty much it. So that's what essentially maybe This Is Love is about. It's like 
of this idea of trying to get in touch with somebody and, and, and wanting to connect with them and then finding yourself being attracted to them and attached to them and then eventually being like, well, maybe this is love for me and maybe this is love for you. Maybe this is all it's ever going to be. Um, that's really what that, that song is about. And of course, it's like nice and cute and sensual. Yeah. But at the end of it, it's like, I mean, like when you like, it's kind of sad a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I've grown away from that, but I do hope that 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 person and those people that that song essentially is inspired by i hope that they have found some sort of peace where that they have able to be able to to unify who they are obviously in their private life and who they are to even their family and friends it's it's really weird there's a little bit of a double life and Mm. um i mean i'm that song is a little bit also of an outsider perspective but um that chorus before it was really about in the beginning, I, I feel like a couple years ago, I would say it was about me. But now after listening to that song and being further away from it, having written it, I realized that that song, that chorus is more applicable for the person that's actually that cannot come out. That's still in the closet. It's like maybe this is only going to be what love is for that person. This is all that they're ever going to do because they're never going to come out. Well, really, <laughs> I know it's a little sad. <laughs> no, not, not, not at all. Not sad at um, all. It's like a little, I don't know, and and that's kind of more the like even the EP like she that I, mm-hmm. I recently wrote is that's kind of I mean stay with me is mm-hmm. I, I write it as a, as if it was I, I dedicate it to queer femme people now when I perform it, um, but when I wrote that song I wrote it from the perspective of a straight man trying to woo somebody who's like a feminine queer uh whether they you know they identify with just she terms or mm-hmm. uh, whether they're just queer in general whether they're just gay but I, I essentially imagine it from some guy trying to woo me and trying to tell me all of the nice things in uh in the way that just to get me to go home with them and then essentially when you get to the last couple of songs of she uh like like i do you realize that that didn't really work out for that queer person because then they're saying you know why are you choosing your girlfriend over me and then the next one is like uh the third one is like this is the last time that i'm going to see you this is the last time you know the queer person essentially ending that relationship up until the final song where it's fade away and it's saying you know Mm. uh, unfortunately we like our lives are never going to intersect because you can't accept who you are and I need to grow as a person and, and own my femininity and own who I am more. Um, yeah. Are, are these experiences you've had to have to be able to, to, to sort of put yourself in these scenarios or is this kind of, uh, sort of a common kind of thing that you, you know, hear from other folks or, you know, like where, where is the inspiration for that? She from? is definitely from, sorry, excuse me. Um, she is definitely from me and experiences that I had. Um, there, there's like, I mean, as with all forms of creativity, you know, you start, it starts to mesh and you kind of, I just, when I write music, I find myself like, if I hear myself again, or if I sing it, I find myself uncovering certain meanings to things that I wrote. And it's not like in that, like Mm -hmm. in any like narcissistic way, it's just like that came out and it's, it sounded really great. And I really liked that line. And then it starts to resonate with me over different things. But yeah, essentially all that stuff is, is. Uh, things that I've felt or things that I've of experienced. Um, I really some of the newer music. I, I really do try to to talk about stuff that I've seen my friends experience or seen other people around in my life. But I try not to to uh, to center my music too much in things that mm-hmm. I you know haven't necessarily directly experienced. More so things that I've observed. Um, so it kind of mixes. But yeah. Yeah, like when you just said, like when you wrote, um, maybe this is love. You wrote it through the perspective of the guy, 
Well, but, it's it's definitely my perspective. Oh, yeah, okay. like it's like it's you know I've been waiting for you to come through and see me. Yeah, you know, pull up in your Honda, just change that meaning if you wanna. Um, it's like really just kind of waiting for that hookup with them. Mm. But yeah, like essentially, like their story is also being told because I'm telling my side of it. Right. But then when you mm. if you really start to think about it, you're like, well, this is also not just sad for you. It's also really sad for the other person mm. involved. Right. So you like you see yourself outside. A little bit. You see yourself inside, outside at yeah. the same time. Like, yeah. It's really, really, really creative. <laughs> I, I try to, like, just because yeah. it, I, I don't know, I try to, like, think of it. And I just try to think of the situation in different ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, even with Like I Do, obviously, I'm, I'm very much referring myself to to she and, 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 and in a feminine way. Um, and at, at maybe at that time when those songs, like when that, when I was feeling really feeling those things and feeling that like sort of way of a relationship, I didn't necessarily feel that way, but it's just kind of something that maybe I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's important. That's important stuff, and I think I think that's one of the reasons why so many folks are threatened by queerness, right? Uh-huh. Because at one point people realize it's not just about sort of them, right? Mm-hmm. Queerness sort of implicates. And it incorporates and it, it, it puts us all in sort of a relationship right? yeah. to, together. And I think for, for you know, my, my own understanding, that's, that's one of the dangerous things about some of these things, mm-hmm. right, is, is people's acceptance of someone else also means it's an acceptance of themselves as well. And yes. some folks aren't ready to do that. Mm. You know? 100%. Yeah. I really do. Yes, yes, yes. I think when when somebody sees themselves being out loud and proud, it it makes it challenges what they're like what they're not fulfilling in their lives, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that you see that all the time with just like even taking queer out of the context. If I if you're you know you're around somebody that just has a really strong spirit and is really just really grounded, yeah. your immediate reaction is like you start to psychoanalyze yourself. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. oh my god, well, what, how do I not measure up to that? Mm-hmm. But I think the key to that is getting beyond that mindset of how do I not do that, but, like, how do I also just get onto their level by accepting the things of myself? Yeah. You know, like, how do... Like, I think we always go around uh, self-criticism in, like, the, the worst possible way, you know? If you see somebody that has all of their stuff together, you should just think of the ways that you also have yourself together and how you're both working towards that, you know, versus yeah. just, like, downplaying yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe that's kind of what happens with straight people that are homophobic, you know? They see a queer person being out loud and proud, and then they get, you know... Yeah, they just can't. Uh, they shut themselves with it. out. Yeah. yeah, they shut themselves out. Yeah, question makes someone question their own lives, right? Yeah, that, that that's the maybe one of the sort of more dangerous parts about it, right? Is mm-hmm. people don't want to do that. They want to come face to face with themselves. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you talked about that you're trying to bring out that femininity in yeah. yourself. So we've seen a, a few of your videos, like mm-hmm. um, she, uh-huh. right? Like, was that? Was that the the form you're trying to take? Yeah, like- I think it's really, and again, like I want to, I want to take it even further. It's just something that I've, again, only just now these past couple of years, have, I've started to realize and and really see, is that there is a, a like a a feminine side to me that's always just been around, um, and it's not necessarily that I am, I, I'm I'm not trans in any way, uh, but I do see myself not necessarily like I I see that there's a, a there's a duality that exists, you know. There's a masculine and feminine nature, and more so, I've been seeing that the masculine nature has <laughs> has not necessarily been the like has not necessarily brought me toward the more positive aspects of my life. Okay. The masculine masculine nature that exists within me, and again, this is different for for some people, but 
the masculinity has actually led me towards more negative aspects of my life, whereas the femininity has always driven me to be stronger. Okay. I was raised by a single mother, and I feel like what I see as strength and what I see as power mm-hmm. is, is she and feminine. So essentially, that's kind of why I titled the EP She, was because mm-hmm. I thought like of something that's super powerful, she. Um, and so I essentially, and that's also what has helped pull me out of toxic relationships, you know, of, of stepping away from, from uh, idolizing men that are just pure masculine and really just trying to be like, I can't, you know, I need to step away and I need to empower myself and I need to become who I am. So I hope that helps. <laughs> Absolutely. For a while, Absolutely. yeah, for a while I feel like I was only like going after, like in my early 20s going after and dating and like just looking for like these straight men mm-hmm. or these masculine men. And over these years, I've really been stripping myself away from that because it's just, it's it's not healthy. It's not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's limiting. It's limiting. And how, how old are you now, if you don't mind? 29. 29. Yeah. Okay. Going to be 30 next year. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, yeah? Yeah. I'm not really, I'm more so now, like, I think before maybe two years ago you would ask me and I'd be like, oh my God, but... Now I, I there's a what is that that show called? It was on HBO. It's um, I can't remember what I don't remember what it was, but it was this really really weird abstract show. But they had a, a Peter Pan segment, and one of the girls it was like tux. It was like a it's like they have do random segments, um, and the one of it was like a random musical episode and it was set in like New York City and mm-hmm. everybody was like kind of like Afro Latinx and they were all singing and it was like a Peter Pan story being told. But there gets to the point where one of these characters is like singing and she says, uh, she's telling the boy that does, that wants to be Peter Pan forever. And again, it's all like, it's not like it's a sketch show. Yeah, it's a sketch show. Yeah. And it's like all like this, like, you know, like, uh, like Latinx music mm. and she's singing and she gets to this climactic point where she says, uh, I, I can't sing because I can't remember it, but she <laughs> says, I want someone to be by my side and make me real. Cause she's trying to get this, this boy to be a man, you know, like mm-hmm. what, like, you know, if she's trying to like the whole conversation is building up of like, you know, you, you abusing women, you know, you're doing all this stuff, you know, you, you're going out and you're cheating, you're doing all this crazy stuff. I just want someone to, to be with me and make me realize that it's not so bad getting old, that it's not so bad getting old, that it's not so bad getting old. And she says that several times and I, that just stuck with me. And I realized that like, it's really not so bad (laughs) getting old, you know, it's just like, it, it's just the natural process. And, um, yeah. Where do you see your, your, um, your artistics, um, side going in the next couple of years then i i don't know um i don't have i i want to say i want it to be more live i want it to be more a little bit more instrumental and so this newer music i'm trying to incorporate mm-hmm. a little bit more of of queer queer voices uh and different and different sides whether it's like instrumentals or or just even having them just sing on the songs where i just take a back seat you know okay but i think really just trying to like incorporate more and really just try to tell the other stories. There was also something that I heard online uh, or I read online and it was from, I think it's like a big artist, but they, it, I, can't, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not even saying it for exactly, but uh, it's really stuck with me this last year. It's like you should put your friends in your music and you should put more of your friends in your music. And that doesn't necessarily mean literally like have your best friend singing on the song, <laughs> but it just means like you should be telling their stories and you should yeah. be telling your story. You should be including mm-hmm. your life into your work. So that's essentially what I see is going like I, what I want to happen. Um, well. And I want it to be, a, I want it to be, I want it to be mature and I want it to, um, 
I wanted to resonate with people in a way that like in the way that uh, some great art resonates with me where it just really sits with you and you walk away from it and you're like, oh, wow, like I want to hear this again, you know, not necessarily for the popularity sake, but just there's just somebody that can just listen to it and say, I like this is told me word for word what I felt. Um, That's what I want where the music to go for the next couple of years. So I just want it to be quality Mm -hmm. um, and I want to involve more people. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, all right. Anything else? No, I think that's it, man. I want to say thanks for for hanging out with us for the last hour. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot about myself. (laughs) Maybe a request, if you don't mind. Maybe we could end uh, this session with one of your songs. Yeah, of course. Thanks to uh, Aaron Marco for, for joining us for this episode. And thanks to you folks for, for tuning in again. Um, and I guess we'll see you next time. See you next time then. Thanks for listening. For more narratives, please visit culturalmediaarchive.org and click on the archive tab. Unconditional Love is part of the Youth Citizenship Narrative Project and recorded at the Ethnography Laboratory at UC Riverside. You can send us an email with questions or comments at unconditionallovepodcasts at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. Media Archive.